Okay, people, tomorrow morning, 10 a.m., Santa's coming to town. Santa! Oh, my God! Would you please tell him that instead of presents this year, I just want my family back. Rudolph, with your nose so bright, won't you guide my sleigh tonight? It must be magic. I must find some way to keep Christmas from coming. Nobody's walking out on this fun, old-fashioned family Christmas. Isn't there anyone who knows what Christmas is all about? True, Charlie Brown. I can tell you what Christmas is all about. Seeing isn't believing. Believing is seeing. The best way to spread Christmas cheer is singing loud for all to hear. Welcome back to another episode of Tis the Podcast, the podcast that's determined to keep the Christmas spirit alive 365 days per year and the Halloween spirit alive one month per year. I'm Anthony. I'm Julia. And I'm Tom. Julia, (laughs) you had the most exciting week of all of us, I think. So why don't you start off by telling us about your week? You were on vacation, right? I was. So the kids were on fall break. So... Saturday, we took off to Big Cedar Lodge, which is um, created and run by the guy that started Bass Pro Shops, which is kind of a big deal in the South. Um, so it's a neat resort um, in Ridgedale, Missouri. So right outside of Branson. And it's all log cabiny and it's just beautiful. And the weather, the leaves were all changing and it was great. It rained a lot more than I wish it would have because we didn't get to go fishing and some stuff we didn't get to do, but we did take a little detour one day and we went to Dogwood Canyon. Which Rain is, is like actually good for away. fishing if you guys had the proper attire. Yeah, we did have the attire. We didn't have the willpower. Yeah, <laughs> we were fair. really tired by then. And it was chilly and I'm like, you know, maybe next <laughs> time we come. Um, but we did some fun, like easy hiking because Dogwood Canyon has like paved just walking paths, but a bunch of waterfalls and tons of trout. You could see about a bunch of trout in the water. The actual walking trail itself is like six something miles round trip. And part of it takes you into Arkansas. And when you go into the Arkansas part of the trail, you can see elk and bison and eagles and all sorts of stuff. But we, we went with Uh, We took my parents and then Marty's mom as well. And between them, there need to be three knee replacements. (laughs) So we decided maybe not walk (laughs) all the way. So we kind of took it easy and we promised that next time when everybody has new knees, we will go and we will walk all the way to Arkansas and, um, and see all of the cool stuff. But it was fun. I mean, it's just nice to be with the kids alone you know, like away from uh, friend groups and kind of away from devices, even though, you know, the pictures looked beautiful. Yeah. They They did look amazing. Just there. It was really, really pretty. So it was fun. It was very fun. Very needed. How were y'all's weeks? We were Um, uh, inside all week. (laughs) That's about it. (laughs) You know, I was, this week was, I don't know. So y'all know that I'm big on Halloween, right? Yeah. No. I'm, dealing, I'm not dealing with this year, though, because of COVID. Like, I don't have kids, so I don't go trick-or-treating. Kids aren't allowed in our buildings. The bars and restaurant, can't, we can't go out because it's still like... So there's no point in us dressing up this year or anything. Like, I just haven't been feeling it. So I actually... Let's have a Halloween party. I actually undecorated for Halloween already. Let's have a virtual and, uh, Halloween party. We can all dress up. Slowly, I put some Christmas lights up. Not lit yet, but I put some Christmas stuff up because I'm just ready for November 1st to get here. And November yeah. 1st, the clocks are going back, right? So that'll be nice yeah. to have the lights up that day with the extra hour, the first day with the extra dark. Yeah. We decorated for Christmas or Halloween for the first time really ever. We bought a bunch of decorations we have like a big spider web outside, bunch of spiders, cute little ghosts. So we went the exact opposite route than you, Anthony. I think it's because we're overcompensating for guilt for Ellie. Gonna, Ellie's gonna have a sucky Halloween, so I think we're going over. I think we're going overboard to compensate, which I makes mean, me I'd worried pro- about I'd what probably, Christmas is gonna look like. I'd probably do that too if I had kids, like go overboard with Halloween stuff, but I don't. 
and like I just was not feeling it this year. I decorate like, and you like I said, you y'all know me. I'm big into Halloween, so yeah, kind of sad. I'm hoping the same won't happen for Christmas. I don't think it will. I think we all need a bit yeah. of Christmas cheer this year. To go along with the not feeling like Halloween and it's super weird this year, right? Even though I'm still giving candy out and my kids are still trick-or-treating mm-hmm. because we just are. We'll only hit one neighborhood and it'll just be ours. But like an extra kick in the pants that what our favorite Halloween special is not even going to be played. That's what I was going to bring up. The Christmas one isn't either this year. They already announced. I'm canceling well, Apple Plus over this. The, the Christmas one isn't either? Yeah, and probably the Thanksgiving one too because of Apple but, Plus because they own all the peanut stuff now. So Oh, I thought that it was scheduled for network, but it was bumped for the debates, the 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 Halloween one. That's what I thought initially too, but then they announced today the Christmas one was not going to be airing. Either. Okay. That's some junk. Right? That should be like free sourced for everybody. Not free sourced, but that should be like shared with everybody. All the time. That's exactly what Anthony and I were talking about before you got on. It's like, it feels yeah. like Apple is literally stealing the holidays. That's what it well, does feel like. Well, it's like, it's like I was telling Tom before we got on, right? Like, these are available digitally, online, everywhere, DVDs. Like, I'm sure. There are people who don't have access yep, to that. Though. R- right. Yeah. Most people don't have access, but also half of the magic is watching it live on TV during right. the season. The community experience, like with the you and you know, the rest of the country is watching with all the holiday commercials in between. Right. Which That's we need right, right now. Yeah, we, we need, need it right now. now. We need that. Like, mm-hmm. it, even though we're not sitting together in the same room, just to know, like, if it were on. We'd be watching it. My mom would be watching it. My sister would be watching it. Y'all would be watching it. We'd all be having this it would, it would be human it would experience. Be trending on Twitter, right? <laughs> you got said that's what it does. But I'm literally I'm canceling yeah, Apple we, Music over it because they're stealing joy. We haven't even mentioned so for our listeners the specials we are talking about are it's a great pumpkin Charlie Brown and a Charlie Brown Christmas. Um, McLean Slaughter, though, one of our listeners, had a great idea in the Facebook group that uh, we should do a watch party on Facebook for all of our listeners. So I think we okay. should make that happen before the end of the month. I mean, it's only like a 30-minute special. Same with mm-hmm. Thanksgiving and Christmas. Like, if they're taking penis from us live on TV, we should have our own community experience in the Facebook Yeah. Group. Up yours, Apple TV. I just feel like Charles Schultz would have very strong words about this. I mean, the whole thing was about, yeah. I mean, if you look at the themes of the penis, I don't think he would like this at all. No. I don't think he would honestly, if he was alive, like how commercial peanuts have become with the holidays either. I think he'd Yeah. It's just think another- he, Hallmark would be frowned upon. <laughs> another um, nail in the coffin of post-capitalist society, y'all. We're now stealing holidays from children. But talking more of the month, Julia- you watching Bly Manor yet? I have watched Bly Manor. I have a lot of theories. Anthony and I have talked about it. I Did I not tell you the ending was perfect, by the way, without telling oh, me because Tom's not there? Uh, I have, I've given a lot of theories to Anthony tonight, and I'm waiting yeah. to see if any of them are right. Yeah? Like what? Like what theories? Hannah's dead. Miss Jessel's dead. Flora might be dead. I don't know. Uh, Miles is possessed. Danny's a lesbian. Uh, I don't know if Owen's dead or not. I can't get a feel for Owen. Owen's a little too distant to figure anything out. I love Owen. Dude, I do too. His puns are like my favorite thing ever. (laughs) Absolutely. And that mustache, y'all, like that is a mustache for a man to be proud of. Yeah. I made a joke about that being a caterpillar and Christine was like, that'd be one huge, scary caterpillar. Uh, What else did I have a theory of? I'm assuming all their faces are gone because like everybody they loved is dead like they don't they're not remembered anymore but i don't know i'm trying to figure that out like you know like we talk about remembering the dead and when they're not when they're no longer remembered their faces go away like coco Um, they disappear Yeah, like coco like coco i had all these same theories but there there are things like uh i noticed that hannah and miss jessel never drank or ate which is why i think they're Hmm. dead even when the whole family's sitting around eating and, and hannah always leaves before everybody eats but she lives at the house so when would she be getting her food um don't you love hannah i do love hannah I love Hannah. I, lo- I um, love them all. I, was- I love Jesse. Uh, no. Danny. Not the gar- no. What's the gardener? Oh, Jesse. Yeah, the gardener. Jamie. Mm-hmm. Jamie. Or, Jamie. Yeah, Jamie. 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 I love the gardener. 
Mm-hmm. It's weird to see them in these roles after seeing them in the last set of roles. Jamie wasn't in the last one. No, but like, what's his name? Um, super bad guy. Luke versus yeah, Luke versus was, Peter. 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 Christine hasn't seen the first one yet, and I'm like, Christine, this is so hard to see to like hate this man so much because yeah. you were just so endeared to him. Like you lo- love him in yeah. the first one, but man, so, he's just awful. There's like nothing redeeming about him. Well, I'm just like uh, Uncle Henry's awful this time when he was a decent dad when the kids are younger in the first one. Woo. Yeah. Uh, he's not. He's showing his family lots of love, y'all. Lots of love. No, he's so mean to the kids. Like they keep. There've been a couple well, times where they're trying to get him to come out there, and he just won't. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he's always. What does he always say? Are they hurt? Yeah. Are they hurt? Are they hurt? If they're, if they're hurt, tell her to call a hospital. If they're not hurt, why is she calling me? <laughs> I've talked to Kendall and April, and I know both of them are excited to hopefully get in front of a mic again for a Patreon episode to discuss Bly Manor. I don't know if it's that this one's more obvious with the hints, or if after watching, I think you're uh, looking for Hill House. We, it's not just that you're looking; it's that you know what to look for. Mm-hmm. Oh, okay. Did y'all notice the breakneck bird? That's all I could think when I saw the. Yeah, I was like, "Look, I, it's yeah. the breakneck bird." <laughs> oh, I totally um, looked for hidden ghosts in this one. The plague yeah. doctor was in the background of shots a lot. Uh, he didn't complain once about wearing a mask either. <laughs> so one more thing about tv before we move on to the movie tom i finished the boys season two which i know you haven't done yet you're doing that after blind manor right i'm reading it no i'm finna- gonna finish reading the boys first oh my god it was so freaking good it got better even it got even better like it's it's great that show is bonkers but it's so well done julia that should be your next one it's really good <laughs> i've got it on my list you're gonna love it please so, tell me Stormlight stays good. That's the one thing this show cannot take from me is that Stormlight has to be a good character. You mean Starlight? Stormlight's the bad one, right? What's her name? Stormfront. Stormfront. She's... You know, I love this whole season. And if you only saw the first few episodes, you would have seen it. All the digs at the Justice League, how, how they keep doing the uh, the movie. What, what do they keep calling that movie? Um, the Dawn of Seven or whatever <laughs> that they're shooting. The seven of them. <laughs> And then they made that crack about how the Joss Whedon rewrite made it even worse. <laughs> you know, it's got to hurt somebody like Joss Whedon, who you know is watching this show. I mean, maybe Joss Whedon should have hurt so many people. Ouch. Just saying. Did you see the digs that uh, between Matt Damon and Ben Affleck today? I did not. They've got something going back and forth. They're doing it for charity. You can like vote to win. You can like participate by giving to charity and then uh you can win a trip to hang out with the two of them i think is the deal oh that's cool but um ben affleck's like yeah i was thinking we could tell people jason bourne's gonna be here and superman's gonna be here and matt damon just looks over to him you got robert pattinson to do this (laughs) (laughs) he brought up what's his name jeremy whatever who took over the bourne thing and they argued about like stealing somebody's role versus expanding the universe it was a really cool talk a really cool thing to watch but uh yeah, it was funny. I did want to bring up another movie, though. What did y'all think of the trailer for The Christmas Chronicles 2? I think they should have got Rain Wilson to play Belschnickel. I do not like how normal Belsch- and young Belschnickel looks. But. I liked what they did with the last thing except the elves. I'm still hopeful that it's going to be awesome. The CGI in the trailer still annoyed me, but I think overall, I'm more excited for this one. It looks like a slightly darker, more adventurous movie, so I'm excited. Yep. The, the elves still bother me. And there was that one shot of the North Pole that looked really technological, which we all know our feelings on that. But I'm still being hopeful, man. I'm keeping I'm, I'm, I'm keeping being hope hopeful. alive. We're covering it in a few weeks. So that is not my Belschnickel. Right? They should have gotten it's so wrong. They it need an older, good, hairier person. I mean, I'm still totally in it, but like, no, he's not a kid. They totally should have gotten Rain Wilson. Rain Wilson, I bet, would have been totally on board for that. Ambitious, admirable. <laughs> I am not. I am not. All right. Well, that's coming up in a few weeks. But tonight, we are covering 2016's The Conjuring 2, The Enfield Poltergeist, which was a supernatural horror film directed by James Wan. So, quick plot synopsis. In 1977, paranormal investigators Ed and Lorraine Warren come out of self-imposed sabbatical to travel to Enfield, England. There they meet Peggy 
Hodgson, an overwhelmed single mother of four who tells a couple that something evil is in her home. And in the Lorraine Believer story, when the youngest daughter starts to show signs of demonic possessions. As the Warrens try to help the besieged girl, they become the next targets of the malicious spirit. So, histories with this film and franchise. Julia? Uh, none. I've never even seen the first one. So, I've been asking lots of questions. The main one, do I need to see the first one to understand the second one? <laughs> <laughs> and I was told no. Um, I'm probably the least horror fan on the podcast. So... That's all really my history with it. Accurate. Uh, this was my first time seeing a conjuring. Um, I haven't seen the I haven't seen the first one at all. This was this is where I started. And I will say that I learned today that a recent study came out and they ranked the top 10 or whatever ranked horror movies by how scary they are. And the test they used was getting people's heart rates while they were watching it. And this movie came in at number seven. Yeah, this particular second one. The second one. The first one was third, I think. Oh, yeah, wow. the first one was higher. Yep. Interesting. Number one was Sinister, which I didn't expect because Sinister didn't do it for me like some other horror films. Huh. But. What was two? Okay, it went Sinister, Insidious, The oh, Conjuring. Insidious, the first one. Yeah, that was scary. Heredity, Paranormal Activity. <sighs> paranormal Activity wasn't even scary, even a little bit. Uh, let me tell you, when you were living on your own in a foreign country, <clears throat> first time on your own, and you had to walk back at night into your empty apartment. That movie gets, it works on your imagination afterwards. We had a friend who watched Donnie Darko with us years ago. and uh, Donnie Darko's in a very unsettling movie. I won't was say very, scary, he was, but it's unsettled. He was terribly unsettled and uncomfortable going home just with that image of the rabbit every time he turned around in his head. <sighs> but then it goes, it follows The Conjuring 2, The Batadook, the descent. The Babadook. The visit. Babadook was yeah. unsettling. Yep. Babadook. The descent. The visit. The ring. A quiet place. Nightmare on Elm Street. Halloween. Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Twenty eight days later. Epic movie. The Exorcist. Hush. It. Scream. I'm surprised Grudge. The Exorcist fell so low. The Witch. The Blair Witch Project. Alien and the Thing. I'm sorry. Poltergeist and Annabelle were scarier than the uh, and the Friday the Thirteenth were scarier than the Blair Witch. The Blair Witch just made me nauseous. The camera, yeah. I mean, it launched a whole genre, right? That whole shaky cam genre. Don't think that was a good thing. Not selling me on it. I think Paranormal Activity did better, just saying. My problem with a lot of these movies, including this one, is how much you see the demon because they always look cheesy. Mm -hmm. The nun in this, like seeing the gums and teeth, it's like, wow, that looks as fake as you can get. It's awful. (laughs) It ruins the the effect Uh... when they go back to it. Wait till we get to it. That's the initial scene before she started screaming in everyone's faces was creepy. Yeah, it was. When she the shadow was walking around that room. If you saw that in theaters, the crowded theater. Yeah. See, that doesn't that's kind of stuff doesn't scare me. For me, it's what I don't see or what I can't see or what I don't understand, which is why the village got me so much when I first watched it. Just this it was so and so unsettling and frightening. Like the mystery of what could be, which I think is what was scarier when I was a kid. You know, there's something in my closet. There's something under my bed. I can't see it, but I know it's there. You know what I mean? Yeah, that's, yep. That's what, that's what gets me that in psychological horror films a lot more so than, Ooh, look, here's a scary guy. Boo. Ah. So I love this film. I love the first one. I love the whole franchise. Uh, even though the spinoffs, the Annabelle spinoffs and the nun were kind of cheesy without, you know, the worms in it. But yeah, I love it. I uh, Before The Conjuring, I knew of Ed and Lorraine Warren. I read their book, The Demonologist, their biography. Somebody wrote about them. They're kind of like local legends in the tri-state area, right? Because of all their cases. Uh, I always wanted to visit their little house museum before Lorraine died and the cops shut it down. So, but I never got a chance, sadly. And now they, due to zoning issues, they had to they shut down that museum which is in her house, their little basement of artifacts, all their supposedly haunted artifacts. But I, yeah, I find the two of them pretty interesting. I loved the first Conjuring. I loved this one. I enjoy the spinoffs. So So let's run through the cast real quick. Vera Fermia plays Lorraine Warren, and I love Vera Fermia. Mm -hmm. She is has that really classic Hollywood beauty about her, I think, which you don't see a lot of actresses have nowadays. But I think she's such a good actress. 
she's been in a lot of stuff. She's been in Down to the Bone, Nothing But the Truth, Up in the Air, uh, Higher Ground, The Manchurian Candidate, The Departed, The Boy in the Striped Pajamas, mm. uh, Source Code, Safe House, The Judge, The Front Runner, Godzilla, King of the Monsters. Uh, she played Norma Bates on Bates Motel on television, which is a show I enjoyed mm-hmm. very much. She was an orphan. Did either of y'all see that movie when that came out? That mm-hmm. movie was fun. Uh-uh. So yeah, she's been in loads. Are you guys fans of Vera Farmiga? I think she's a great actress. She does cool stuff, dude. Agreed and agreed. Playing her husband, Ed Warren, is Patrick Wilson. And Patrick Wilson has also been in Lowe's. He is a two-time Tony winner. He was in the full Monty in Oklahoma on Broadway. Uh, he co-starred... Really? Yep. He co-starred in Angels in America on HBO. He was in movies such as The Phantom of the Opera, Hard Candy, Little Children, Watchmen, Insidious, The A-Team, Insidious Chapter 2, Annabelle Comes Home. He's guest star Aquaman. He's guest star on television shows like A Gifted Man. The Nun. Fargo. He voiced the president of the United States in Batman versus Superman. He was in Girls for an episode. So he's been in loads of stuff across the He was in two episodes of Girls. Are you I just have to say that because neither you nor I like that show at all. (laughs) No. Uh, I am a Patrick Wilson fan. He's a solid actor. He's done a whole Mm -hmm. lot in the last, what, 19 years? Yeah. It just continues. Everything he does is everything he does is good. Mm-hmm. I'm interested to see him in Aquaman too. As Arm, he mm-hmm. was good. In, he was good in the first. He was one. good in the first one. I loved. I really liked him in Watchmen. It's my, uh, oh, I loved Watchmen. How about you, Julie? Are you a fan of him? Yeah, I like him. Uh, way back to the Alamo, I loved him as Travis. That's right. There is some required watching for children. Children in Texas. Was he? Definitely. Was he Night Owl in Watchmen? Yep. Julie, are you a Watchmen fan? I have not seen any of the Watchmen franchises, nor do I know the comic book series. The, that's the one Watch- of those seminal graphic novels. If you were going to yeah. read like one, that's it. It's that's an, it. Yeah, it is. It's an anti-superhero, right? Mm-hmm. Not it's like the a ha- deconstructing superhero type thing. Like the movie was made way before it should have been. It should have been made after all these Marvel movies and stuff. Like after- 100%. It should be coming out right now, like the boys. Yes. So playing our beleaguered, possessed little girl in this, Janet Hodgson, is Madison Wolf, And she was in True Detective on HBO. She was in the fantasy drama I Kill Giants. She was in On the Road. I remember her first from that show, uh, that, 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 what was it, ABC or CBS show, Zoo. Oh, oh yeah, gosh. with all the wild animals, right? Crazy that show animal. was so cool for the first five episodes and then it's like oh which animal is going to get sick today and try to kill all of humanity <laughs> she, she was also in that key and peel movie keanu do you remember that movie that movie was surprisingly freaking fun <laughs> oh my gosh that movie was something else man <laughs> playing peggy hodgson the mother is francis o'connor who had one of those faces i feel like i've seen in a million things before probably didn't peg her yep and she's been in films such as Mansfield Park, Bedazzled, mm-hmm. AI, Artificial Intelligence, The Importance of Being Earnest, Timeline, Blessed, and Madame Bovary and The Missing. I took Christine to see The Importance of Being Earnest on stage. It's one of our first dates. Oh, Did man, you? what a first date. Right? And that's pretty much our main characters in this film. I will also just give a shout out to... Bonnie Ahrens, who was popular enough when this movie came out in her role as the nun to earn a spinoff. And she is best known for her roles in The Holland Drive, The Princess Diaries, and The Princess Diaries 2, The Royal Engagement. <laughs> she was one of the Baroness Joy von Trucken. So that was a, that's our really our main cast. So this movie starts out right where the first movie ended, for those of you who don't know. Ed and Lorraine just solved one of their these supernatural type cases and got a call saying they were needed in Amityville. And this movie basically has what would be known on a television show as a cold open where you see them in Amityville investigating that haunting. Really creepy, by the way, when she's walking through acting like she's the dad 
and like the action the brother, shots and stuff. The brother. The, the brother. That's right. Yeah. Where she's acting like yeah. she's Ronnie DeFeo. Like she, yeah. yeah. So it looks like she's holding a shot. She's miming holding a shotgun. And then every time mm-hmm. she passes a mirror, you see Ronnie DeFeo with a shotgun. Yes. Really well shot. One thing yeah. I love about James Wan, regardless of what you think of his movies, he's a one of those really good directors. Yeah. Absolutely. That that shot of of walking through and 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 killing people and just her sheer horror on her face mm-hmm. and what she was perceived to be doing. Oh, it was so good, y'all. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so she's kind of like the medium in the marriage, right? She has kind of had these preternatural abilities. So she was kind of sent herself out of the house to see what was really haunting it. And as somebody who is a true crime buff who has, and with Amityville being near here, and so I've always been into that. That's a weird way to put it. I've always been fascinated by that <laughs> crime. Uh, they did a good job of recreating what the house looked like and crime scene photos look like even though they don't focus on you know mm-hmm. the dead bodies like what you, the quick flashes you did see like looked right and they also recreated that famous image that the photographer gene campbell took of the little ghost boy staring between the supposed little ghost boy everyone's seen that image online if they google amityville it's on google black and white image of a little ghost boy staring at you from like between the railings through a door or something like that and they recreated that mm-hmm. very well so while Lorraine is investigating she goes down to the basement and she basically has this vision of Ed her husband essentially being killed by what looks like you're not sure what it is it basically almost looks like a stake in the heart from behind and being mm-hmm. killed and she freaks out and wakes up and tells Ed she comes out of her trance and she tells Ed this is the closest to hell she ever wants to get in her life. And then you get that really, um, that movie effect where it kind of freeze frames and slowly fades out, like drains the color of the picture. Mm-hmm. You get the text on the screen saying that Amityville was one of their most famous cases. And while it's mm-hmm. happening across the pond, what would soon become known as England's Amityville was going on. And that leads us to the movie proper. Mm-hmm. So here we go. I actually really enjoyed this cold open. That's a creepy way to start the yeah. movie. It was. Yeah, it totally was. It's a nice introduction to the Warrens and who they are for those who have not seen the first movie. Mm-hmm. They are, yeah, it's just they want to help people, right? Mm-hmm. And that's one of the things I like about these characters. Like they are, you don't, which you don't get in a lot of horror movies, they're like truly good people. Right. You don't get that in a lot of horror movies. Yeah. No. I really, really liked that about this movie. I I really liked the Warrens. Yep. I liked I like that about them. I like their relationship, their marriage. Mm-hmm. And I like that they are people of faith without like mm-hmm. and the movie didn't like make fun of their faith, right? They mm-hmm. were very solid in their beliefs. So all of that makes them very likable characters in my mind. So we head across to London, and of course we get the London calling montage with, that's, with the song that's in every British movie. It was in Friends when they went to London and everything. And, <laughs> you know, it's a good way to establish you're overseas now. Hit, hit you over the head with it. And that's where we meet the Hodgsons. So Margaret's a single mom with four kids, two girls and two boys. Her husband left her for a neighbor around the corner, apparently. So she had twins with the neighbor around the corner. (laughs) Twins with the neighbor around the corner. And apparently you get the impression when she's talking to her friend, uh, the kids aren't taking it well, at least the younger kids, including her Mm -hmm. daughter, Peggy, who gets in trouble. The first time we see Peggy, she gets in trouble at school for her friend gives her a cigarette, even though she doesn't smoke it. And her friend also gives her back a spirit board the two of them made. Don't mess with that stuff, people. Yeah, I mean, it's like, come on now. When has that ever turned out good in any movie? No, I've seen this movie. I know what not to do. Don't yeah. pick up the spirit board. Don't pick up the spirit board. Don't play Ouija boards. Hasbro should not market them for children. No, no. Never understood that. So essentially... The Hodgson family begins to experience strange occurrences in their home once they go home, right? Yep. And uh, Janet, the youngest star- the youngest girl, starts to sleepwalk and starts talking in her sleep. And you start hearing the voice of an old, what sounds like an old, grumpy man. Mm-hmm. 
who she sees sitting in the family armchair insisting the house is his and at first no one in the family believes her they think nightmares and you know typical horror movie you're imagining things overactive imagination nightmares but eventually they start witnessing these events too until one night they flee in the middle of the night and seek refuge with the neighbors and the cops come and leave and say not much we could do except file a report (laughs) but can't do anything about that so as always cops are very helpful Cops are always the most helpful in superhero movies. Yeah. (laughs) Back across the pond, meanwhile, Lorraine is still freaked out from Amityville, right? She kind of wants a break. She's not only afraid of of the vision she had of her husband dying, but both her and Ed are kind of feeling like the toll of nobody believing what they do. They try to go on this talk show and they're the guy, the scientist they're on there with completely tears them apart, making Ed especially really mad. So mm-hmm. there's kind of this crisis where they're wondering, is it worth it? And mm-hmm. Lorraine gets up early one morning. Ed couldn't sleep. And so Ed was like, I'm just painting. And he painted this horrific picture of a demonic, like this evil looking nun. Like Sarah starts painting something like that. I'm out. <laughs> I am out. Right? <laughs> like I had to get it out of my head. What does he say? Something like it's better, you know, to get it out. Better out than in, or, or whatever. Like that. Yeah, better out than yeah. in. So exactly. Like the generalization of what he says. And all I'm thinking is, I would hope you would keep that to yourself in the future. <laughs> Don't paint some freaky looking nun and then hang it up on your wall. Yeah. So when Lorraine sees he's painting it, she walks into the kitchen, like freaked out because she yeah. saw this nun briefly in the Amityville house, right, right before her vision mm-hmm. of Ed dying, right before and her killing her husband. Yeah. yeah, and Ed, she when she walks away, Ed is like, I know I'm not the best painter, but I didn't think it was that bad. <laughs> yeah, it's, yeah, it's bad, man. Like that's a creepy picture. But you got issues, dude. <laughs> <laughs> it's just such but, a dark. It's such a dark picture. <laughs> the painting is scarier than the actual nun herself. Yeah, so she they she hangs it up, and later on, while Ed is not home, she's talking to their daughter. Her daughter's like standing in the hallway staring, clearly freaked out. Lorraine's like, what's wrong? And she said, the daughter, I guess she's used to her family shtick, is like, who's that? And points, and the nun is standing at the end of the hallway. Yeah. I guess the daughter had not seen the painting originally, or she would have been like, why does that painting come to life down at the end of the hallway? (laughs) Scary. Yeah. So Lorraine tells her to wait there. And follows again, the nun. Okay, with not seeing. That's some chutzpah, again, not honestly. Seeing, when the when the um, hands come around and grab the the painting, that was far scarier than seeing the nun. That's the stuff I'm talking well, about right there. Right, right. So Lorraine follows the nun into the den, and the den is dark. And I really like the lighting of the scene because when the lights are off, it looks like the nun is standing there in the dark. Lorraine turns on the light. It's clearly just a painting with a dark background. And I mm-hmm. thought the way he framed the scene, James Wan, was really well done. It was well done. So, so Lorraine moves toward it. The lights go off mm-hmm. again. She turns, And all of a sudden, the music starts going off. So this movie is set at Christmas. So all throughout this film, whenever a TV goes on or a record player starts going off, it's Christmas carols. Which I think the juxtaposition between this scary nun and then Hark the Herald Angel Sing or whatever is playing on her record player yeah. was re- made the really creepy choice. So as Lorraine goes to turn that off, the lights come back on and she sees a shadow start walking the perimeter of the room. I think this is my favorite scene in the movie. This shadow, it's clearly a nun's shadow. You can't see the nun walking. She walks around the room, goes behind the picture. So the painting is there and then the shadow makes up the body. And then all of a sudden hands come out of the wall and grab the picture. Again, first, the scariest scene. I'm with you. I'm agreeing with you, Anthony. This scene in theaters was creepy as heck. And then as Lorraine's staring at it, this picture runs at her, (laughs) just runs at her. And Lorraine goes down, the lights go off. Lorraine starts shouting, what's your name? Goes into like a little trance and starts scribbling all over her Bible. Mm -hmm. And then comes out of it. And as an audience, you know, Chekhov's gone at some point. That's going to come back later. Which it does. Yeah, I felt dumb when that came back because I wasn't expecting it. So eventually, 
the Hodgson story reaches the Warrens and they're asked to go to England and investigate. And Lorraine is wary. Ed says they need to help these people. Lorraine's like, we just can't get too involved. She's, again, she's feeling the toll of what they do and she's worried about her husband. But they go. While there, they're kind of working with these other paranormal investigators who are kind of there testing the legitimacy of the case. And you get this guy, Maurice, who really believes, he looks like a mad scientist with his glasses and his bald frizzy hair and his mustache. And he really believes what's going on. And you kind of get the skeptic, Anita. And Mm -hmm. uh, the first thing Ed does is he wants to communicate with the spirit of this ghost who they've determined is- uh, An old dude who died at what, 70 something? And Bill Wilkins, who died, who had an aneurysm in the chair in the house. Why is the house, why is the chair still there? Because the, the guy bought the deal. house. I know he did, but like, I don't know, if somebody died in a chair, wouldn't you think? It's a nasty a, a chair, why didn't it? they yeah. toss it out? Yeah. Well, it's clear It's clear the family's struggling with money. Like the Plot walls device. are, the wall, you but, can tell it's not, it's a pretty But I would still think like if you're, if somebody you love died in a chair, you wouldn't stay in it, would you? You wouldn't keep it. No, I wouldn't. So up until this point, Bill Wilkins, the ghost of Bill Wilkins, has no problem showing himself, possessing Janet and speaking through her or whatever. But the minute Ed gives her some water, and that's how he determined, which I thought was smart, that's how he determines yeah. that she's not mm-hmm. doing voices himself. You hold this water and he'll still speak through you. Yep. All of a sudden, the ghost gets shy, essentially. Mm-hmm. Or that's the, word, that's the term he uses. So the movie kind of puts in your head, oh, maybe this girl mm-hmm. really is faking it. So mm-hmm. it's like, we'll give you some privacy and they turn around. And the minute they turn around, mm-hmm. the lights kind of flicker and Bill starts communicating with him, saying it's his house. You know, things go evil, ghosts stay. Mm-hmm. And Ed tries to convince him, stop haunting this family. And when he shows the, when he takes off his cross and shows it, the ghost starts freaking out and disappears. Mm-hmm. And when Ed Which turns back, about later. Ed turns around, we find out she had the water in her mouth the whole time and she spits it back in. So Ed mm-hmm. and Lorraine buy into But not everybody believes that. They think she put the water in before she was done. So this is one of my favorite parts of the movie. And it's kind of where Ed has a heart to heart on his own with the mother of this family. Mm-hmm. While at the same time outside, Lorraine has this nice heart to heart with Janet and how I love that. I loved mm-hmm. that scene. And mm-hmm. she essentially says, like, when she was young, she had this gift. Nobody believed her either. And eventually she found somebody who did. And she married and she him. She married him. Mm-hmm. And I, I loved that. I thought it was such a sweet scene. Mm-hmm. I like how that comes back later when Janet, when he and Janet are under working on the pipe under the, the sink. And she said, and Janet says, or he says to her, you know, I, nobody believed me either when I was younger. And then I found someone who did. And you know what happened? And she said, you married her. And he's like, you've heard this story already. And that was just really sweet. <laughs> that was really sweet. <laughs> and uh, the scene between Ed and Peggy was nice in its own way, too. That's when you find out her husband left <laughs> to have twins with the neighbor around the corner. Ed gets all took all the Elvis stuff. records. Took all the Elvis records. It, and, you know... <laughs> Ed kind of puts his foot in his mouth. He's like, oh, any chance of reconciliation? And he's like, she's like, he had twins with a neighbor. (laughs) So it's kind of awkward. And then there's this really cute scene where it's like, you know, to kind of lift the spirits of this family who's been suffering, Ed takes a guitar and starts playing Elvis for the kids. And they have this little Mm sing-along where Ed's making them laugh, doing his bad Elvis impression. And Lorraine is standing in the doorway, just totally enamored by her husband. You could tell Mm -hmm. she's totally in love with him. And I thought it was like, again, you don't get these often in horror movies, get these just slow, excess, humanizing scenes. Yep. So Ed and Lorraine are staying with this family to make sure nothing happens in the middle of the night or to observe what happens in the middle of the night while the skeptics set up video cameras at certain points of that, certain areas of the house. And essentially what the video camera- Including the kitchen. Including the kitchen. You need to make it important that the kitchen is there. And essentially what happens is the video camera picks up Janet wrecking the kitchen, which they think means she's faked this whole ordeal. Right. And because of that- They they, leave. They leave. They Mm -hmm. said- if this gets back to anyone, like, you know, we'll be forced to leave anyway. So mom yeah. kicks them all out and she's devastated because she was really, they were all relying on them as their last hope. 
Well, it felt like a right. huge betrayal, right? Yeah. And the first thing I thought was the same thing the mom said. She's like, how did this girl, like, cause she lifted the table off the ground and threw it. Like there was some superhuman strength there. Even if she was doing it on purpose, she was like outside of her strength realm for that. Oh, and it's freaky when they go into the kitchen, when they go into the kitchen and she's crouched on the countertop with that sharp knife. Yeah. <laughs> like she's going to spring out and like stab someone. So while Lorraine and Ed go back to the tube, um, you know, they've been recording everything at the house on their tape recorders, essentially. And they fall out of Ed's suitcase and they kind of cross lines. And that gives Ed an idea. He plays them both at the same time because Wilkins, the ghost of Wilkins has been speaking gibberish, like mm-hmm. words that aren't making sense. And when they play these recordings together, it comes across in one sentence. All of a sudden it makes sense. And they realize that Wilkins is essentially being used as a pawn by this demonic nun that Lorraine has been seeing to haunt to get Janet them to and her will, to get mm-hmm. them to leave so she can, you know, fully take possession of Janet. And essentially this nun's been blocking Lorraine's ability to read all of that and decipher all that when she was at the home. And Wilkins is essentially begging them for help while they're at the house, like to get this nun out. So Ed and Lorraine rush back to the house. They find Janet possessed, the rest of the Hodgins locked out. Ed ventures inside alone. Lorraine gets locked out by a supernatural force. She can't get in. Lightning strikes a tree. And all of a sudden, the tree collapses, leaving a point. And Lorraine realizes this is the vision she's been having. This is the thing that's going to impale and kill her husband. So she realizes there's power in a name. If they had the name of this nun, she could control her to exert control Mm -hmm. over it. And she's saying, what's the name? What's the name? She realizes that the nun told her the name back in her house and she scribbled it down in that trance in her Bible. So she finds her Bible in the truck and the, in the car realizes the nun's name is Valak rushes inside as Ed is being, First of all, it looked so painful when that pipe burst in his face and the yeah. steam hit his eyes. And he's yeah, wandering around he's the fine. house. Don't worry, he was fine. <laughs> yeah, he's fine. He's in the upstairs bedroom. Janet gets thrown out a window. He catches her and is only hanging out by the curtain. So it's kind of like a race against the clock, right? Like you see him hanging out by the curtain with the tree underneath him. The nuns in the room. Lorraine runs in, addresses her by the name Valak successfully condemning it back to hell and Lorraine pulls Ed and Janet to safety. Now, Tom, I agree with you. The more you see of the nun in the scene where she's screaming, the look on her face is so cheap. Mm-hmm. Oh, it's just bad, y'all. It's bad. Like, she was much more scary during the painting scene earlier when she wasn't, you know, a big presence. That, um, that, that what, the tall guy, the tall The crooked man? Slender man? The crooked man was like crooked way man, scarier than she was. Absolutely. Yeah. What was really scary was about so that scary. crooked man was when the crooked man showed up at the house that they left and fled to. And mm-hmm. then around the corner comes Janet. Like, mm-hmm. uh-huh. yeah. Oh, that was creepy. Plus that yeah. rhyme in general is creepy. Did you guys do that yeah, rhyme as a kid? No, no, I never even heard of it. It's an English rhyme. It is a real thing. That's so what? creepy. What is it? It's one of those things where you put the light in and spin it and it projects. It's almost like a flip mm-hmm. book on the wall. And it's a crooked mm-hmm. man that turns into a ghost. It, it's really creepy. Did anybody else think the crooked yeah, man looked is. like Anthony? <laughs> no. Very crooked. It's funny because I thought the nun looked like you. I can see that. <laughs> we don't know the um, story of why this nun has become this crazy. Yeah, so do you get, is this the first appearance of the nun? Yeah, and then she got a little spinoff in which Vera for me. And then she got her own spinoff. Starred. Yep. Did we find so out why did, she? Did we find out what happened? Yeah. Did we what find her story out? Is? Yeah, uh, a little bit more. Still, un- still okay. unclear. She's a you know essentially still a demon. unclear. She's a demon. She got freed from hell. Um, she came as a nun. You don't. Yeah, you don't. I don't know why she's haunting this family or Ed and Lorraine. Uh, I know or why she's a nun. Not. Yeah. Well, it, because. Uh, the gate was open at like a monastery in Romania or something like that. So she took on the appearance of a nun or something. Why did the cross affect the dead guy, but not her? Like she wasn't affected I, by the cross at all. I assumed it was because she was controlling the dead guy. Oh, so it was affecting her. It was affecting her through him. That's why I was 
I thought. Well, but at the end, she's because... in the room. She's in the room with all the crosses, and she's fine. Oh, that oh. scene was really well done too, where Ed walks in the room and this all the walls of the crosses just slowly start turning upside down. I thought that yeah. was creepy. But like, so I don't she know why that, that doesn't affect it. That's interesting. There's, there's weird demonology here. I don't feel like it's thoroughly thought out. Is the cross the source of power and constraint of the demons, or is it not? What is it? Flip flop? I don't know. It was just in, inconsistent because there was Maybe. so much that there was so much that went back to his crucifix. And the power that he had in, in the cross. And then we get to that, we get to Valak and nothing. Maybe she was getting stronger as the movie went on. Maybe. But essentially, Lorraine pulls Ed and Janet to safety. Janet's free to possession now that Valak's gone. Old Man Wilkins <laughs> goes away. He's not, and then... he's not heaven material. <laughs> yeah, I'm just not heaven material. I was curious. And then, well, oh, then there's that really nice scene between Ed and Janet the next morning where Ed gives gifts her with his crucifix and says somebody gave it to him mm-hmm. and he's giving it to her to keep her safe. And one day he expects her to give it to somebody else. And I, mm-hmm. lo- I loved that scene. I thought that I like scene that was really too. sweet. Yep. So Ed and Lorraine return home. Well, first you get this really spooky shot. I thought, I thought old man Wilkins is going to pop up in the chair because essentially it says you know they kept that chair until peggy died in it years later herself and they keep zooming in on this chair in the dark and i thought for sure they were going to do a jump scare but they didn't they didn't take the cheap route we're going to see peggy there or something it was just that was also weird why would you keep that furniture knowing what it painted it caused it's just yeah didn't make sense what they didn't keep though was the crooked man toy because we get we're back in america now Ed is locking up the haunted Crookerman toy in the basement where you get a glimpse of Annabelle and all the yeah. other haunted artifacts down there that they've locked up and collected over the years. And um, then you get this really sweet ending where the song that Ed had sung with the family, he puts it on mm-hmm. the record player, or Lorraine puts it on the record player. Ed comes out of the basement, and the two of them have this romantic dance in front of the lit Christmas tree in their house, mm-hmm. in their living room. And mm-hmm. It's a very sweet way to end the movie. You can tell they're totally in love. The lights in the Christmas tree make the scene really beautiful. And mm-hmm. they're a good-looking couple. They're good-looking yeah. actors. And the end. And that was The Conjuring 2. What did y'all think of it, since this is your first foray into The Conjuring? I really liked their relationship. Kind of like you said, how they were like pure positivity in the movie, right? That was new to me for horror films. Other than that, it felt like, I don't know just kind of regular old horror film. So it's definitely their relationship that elevated it for me. Mm-hmm. It wasn't super scary. Um, the Crooked Man was the scariest thing to me. There were some good moments, like the fire truck stuff with the little boy at the beginning. That was pretty creepy. But Beyond the painting? Yeah, yeah that really- was okay. That was, I wasn't watching it. I was watching it on my cell phone in the middle of the living room with like activity around me, which I'm with sure the lights definitely on. takes a, with the lights on, you know, it's hard to recreate the magic of a movie theater when it comes to movies like this, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, so that, that could be on me. I could see how that would have been scary in a theater. Right. Absolutely. I, I'm with, uh, I'm with you. What elevates this movie for me is a relationship, the franchise in general, if this yeah. relationship and also James Wan's direction. Because yes. he really does know how to capture that creepy atmosphere and just do mm-hmm. it beautifully. Like, again, the way juxtaposed, juxtaposed, it's clearly not a Christmas movie, it's set at Christmas, but the right. way he juxtaposed the Christmas stuff, especially the music from the TV and the record players, yeah. while the ghostly activity is going around, it was really effective for him. Yeah, it was. What did you think, Patrick Tom? Wilson looks a lot like Will Arnett. Yes, I get them confused. I used to get them confused. I don't anymore. I kept when I was watching this. I kept I would, there would be parts of my me where he would they would show an angle and he would look like Will Arnett, and I would just laugh at how ridiculous it would be to see Will Arnett in a role like this. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you, you know, it was okay. It was okay. Um, like I said, it was a little the the horror is a little too in your face for me. It's a little too. It's kind of like stories that have like movies that have to wrap up and tie everything with a bow at the end. I don't need them to to tell me everything i don't need them to show me anything i like to use my imagination more i feel like what i see in my head is a lot scarier than what they're going to show me and i wish they would have leaned more into that mm-hmm. and i guess maybe they could have done that by using the painting more or um, having the nun's face obfuscated some mm-hmm. 
she was just seeing her face really ruined it for me. It was so it's when she opened pokey. her mouth and did the like the roar when you saw she had like sharp teeth and like yeah, that was really I agree with that. That's just when cool. she was sitting there with her teeth, with her teeth and her lips in general, um, it was just bad. Yeah. The scene I think where they did it really well and you talk about how you can't see it clearly and it's scarier when you can't see it clearly when they're turned around and they're talking to her with the water and you see very, very slowly, totally blurred in the background, how the girl changes to bill yeah. to bill the ghost. And you can just yeah. see his mouth, like the shape moving when he talks. And that was way scarier. That was really well done. Yeah. I meant to bring mm -hmm. that up when you're talking about this scene. I really liked how they did that. Yeah. I know if I was Ed or Lorraine Warren, I would be very happy with being cast as uh, by as Vera for me. Yeah. And because if you look at what they look like in real life, uh, they really uh, no Hollywood coupled them up. Uh, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yes, they did. So yeah, I like that guy. How happy would he be to have Patrick Smith portrayed? And her, him? her too, though. But like. I know. Yeah. I'd be flattered. I'd be like, yeah, okay. I'm happy. Doesn't want to look anything like me. <laughs> because ultimately, sadly, you know, like a lot of times the movies, you know, you talk about memory earlier with Bly Manor, the movie will be remembered longer than the actual people. So when people hear the sure. their names, they're going to think of Patrick Wilson and Vera Farmiga. And I'd totally be happy with that if I was the back oh, of it. <laughs> <laughs> so there was an article around here recently so lorraine warren died last year in real life last year two years ago but there was an article recently because the kid their kids own the house now and all their stuff there was a report recently that annabelle went missing and uh turns out it's a false report the next day they reported it saying hey people of the tri-state area you can relax she's still locked in oh her gosh. glass case down in the basement <laughs> i mean the actual annabelle doll they scared it up for the movie the actual annabelle doll is a raggedy ann doll oh really? oh really yep but yeah it's cool that's something i wish i had done while lorraine was still alive because she used to let people under her house toward the basement and then serve cookies and like not milk cider or something and actually talk with people which is awesome it's hmm. hmm. neat. So the whole idea of faith in this movie kept coming up, and I really like that. And one quote that Ed said kind of summed up for me, uh, where he says, sometimes, and Lorraine kind of throws it in his face later on, right, when they're leaving. Ed says, sometimes we have to have a leap of faith to believe when no one else will. Mm -hmm. And I really like that. And that's, you know, again, this movie was set at Christmas. It's not Christmas to me. That's an idea that goes along well with the holiday. Yeah, general. it does. I did like you mentioned earlier, I liked that it didn't feel like the movie was making fun of or downplaying. It's not the right word. Um, their faith, right? It wasn't cheesy like it feels in some other ones. Um, right. so I like that too. Like they really were genuine all the way around, both the way that they were and the way that you viewed them and the way that they came off. Yeah, absolutely. So did this movie have a Linus moment? I don't think so. No. No. So why don't we rank it? I'm ranking it a two because it's not a Christmas movie. So I'm uh, so I'm curious. What would you give it if it was if we were just ranking it? As what would I be what would I be comparing it to? Like just itself, like other horror movies. Like you are you a horror fan? I am. So I would, I would like a, interest a really, in general. I liked B-rate horrors a lot more than A-list horrors. That's fair. But um, maybe a four. Julia, how about you? I think I'm going to go with a two as well. Same thing, not Christmas. I'm going to give it my standard for movies I like that are on Christmas, which is my six. A six? That's so high for that standard. That's so high for that standard, dude, because these are supposed to be Christmas movies. That's how I gave Batman Does that Returns. mean that Batman Returns and The Conjuring 2 are the same to you? No, that's 5.5. 5.5. Awesome. See, because I like do... Batman Returns is higher for me, even though it's not Christmas. I do, I do love this movie and this franchise, though. Yeah. Not as much as Batman, though, so good call on that. So 5.5. The Conjuring films are two I do recommend to people who like horror and are looking for something new who haven't seen it. This definitely makes me want to go watch the first one. So I would say, even though it averages at 3.167, it is one of those ones I would still recommend to people 
if you're mm -hmm. looking for just a horror movie before the month ends. So that puts not it if at, you're looking for a Christmas movie. That puts it at number 71 on our list between The Nine Lives of Christmas and Jingle All the Way. In tier four, you'll shoot your eye out, kid. Oh, that's this is way more Christmassy than The Nine Lives of Christmas. Yeah, it is. It actually had Christmas music and Christmas <laughs> trees. So that's The Conjuring 2. And excitedly, that brings us to November, y'all. We are out of Spooky Month. That went insanely fast. It went really fast. That's true. Suck it, October. So I realized we didn't ask a question of the week last week, but Kendall posed one on Facebook. I don't know which listener initially posted the article, but it was an article from one of these viral websites that said basically every Christmas movie has an equivalent Halloween movie. Like they were comparing so ranking so like Rankin Bass and Nightmare Before Christmas. And they had some I did not agree with on there, but that made Kendall ask, so what are some Halloween movies you would say are the equivalent to Christmas movies for the holiday itself? So for me Focus Pocus and I was about to say, for me, it would be Hocus Pocus would be the elf. It's the one that's on TV all the time, the one you can oh, yeah. enjoy the whole family, the yeah. quintessential Halloween movie. And I was one, and she was wondering if the, we could come up with any more of those parents. Yeah, the Halloween Town series is the Santa Claus series. How come? I'm curious about that one. Uh, you just see this transformation, this world that they didn't believe in at all existed. That they had, you know, Marnie and her sister and brother. Marnie and her sister, they liked Halloween but couldn't really participate. Calvin was still excited about Christmas, even though he was a, uh, uh, he wasn't really like, a, he wasn't a true believer, mm -hmm. and. A sudden change of events change who they are fundamentally as people. Scott Calvin becomes Santa Claus. Marnie is now a mm -hmm. witch. Yeah, that's fair. And they both grow into their characters over the series and have continually have other. They they have external forces that are trying to uh, to knock them down. Very fair. I didn't really have a reason for saying that to start with, but boy, did I pull that out well, didn't you I? You did pull that out. What I else? just was comparing, like, I like to watch both of these kind of the same level. <laughs> you just you just high school essay test that you're not prepared for that bad boy. You ready for that meet? You still ready for that, that melee, Anthony? <laughs> I will destroy you in April. Anthony, we everybody knows you won't. I feel I feel bad going into this. <sighs> so it's November. Y'all, next week. Julia, did you get your Harry Potter advent calendar in the mail? I did. Me I too. Did. I have not did? even opened the box yet yep. because because I just, I've got to wait. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to have two can't. of them. You got two Harry I Potter advent calendars? Last year's and this year's. Oh, yeah. I've been getting them for the past three years. And uh, Christine and Ellie are doing Meleg advent calendars. Yeah, what is it's that? It's these little mice critter things that are popular in the Aww. indie parenting world for whatever reason. So mm -hmm. Christine got one for a set for Ellie and I thought, well, I want one too. So now we have, we all have our. I have two advent calendars this year. It's a Harry Potter Pop Funko one and the Nightmare Before Christmas Pop Funko. Nice. I thought you were going to do the Nightmare Before. Oh, you might not have been able to. Um, countdown to Halloween with the Nightmare yeah, so Before I did Christmas. The, I did the Halloween um oh no somebody oh. suggested that so i i use the halloween pop funko one to count down to the burr months that and then somebody right. said on facebook you should use the nightmare before christmas to count down to halloween but but it wasn't even was it even released until i got i got like a week ago so i would okay. have to like open a bunch yeah two weeks ago yeah. whatever not in time for october right hmm. so julia do you want to let listeners know where they can find us they can find us and the rest of our listeners and chat about stuff at any of our social medias. And you can get there real easy way. Just go to tisthepodcast.com backslash Twitter, Facebook, Facebook groups, Instagram, or Reddit. And it'll take you right to your favorite place to chit chat. Um, we have a lot of good stuff on there. We have really good conversations with our listeners. And it's just getting better as Christmas season goes on. In fact, it was our Facebook group that introduced me to those hot chocolate bombs you put Did in you get your those? cup with Did the you get hot them? no i can't find them anywhere i can't either but Costco. the video is high oh i never sold out those. i want them uh you're welcome julia because i was the one who posted that that's amazing so there's good content out there guys um there's just really good place to chit chat kind of lose yourself for a few hours and all the amazingness 
Well, the thing, the good thing, yeah. So if I had to record, I encourage you all to check out all of our social medias, but the Facebook group is the most active. Mm -hmm. uh, if you like to slack off at work, you can go on any time of day and people will reply to you right away. Like it's always mm -hmm. active. Uh, you can chat with me, Tom and Julia. You can, slack, you can chat with other Christmas podcast hosts too, because even though it's a, it's a podcast mm -hmm. banner, it's really kind of become this kind of Christmas podcast network group. Um, because they all post their episodes and stuff in there too. Like it's really, mm -hmm. again, the community is the best thing about the show, I think. And uh, mm -hmm. I urge people to check it out. Now, Definitely. where else can they check us out, Tom, if besides those places? On Patreon. So go to tisthepodcast.com slash Patreon. Oh, you wanted me to explain the whole thing. I'm sorry. <laughs> I misunderstood. Okay. Uh, you can go to tisthepodcast.com slash Patreon. And for as little as a dollar a month, get bonus content. And when I say bonus content, I mean, there has been a ton of bonus content from the elves, the elves and our listeners, the elf and our listeners, you know, it's been all over the place. We're covering lots of stuff there. And I have got quotes coming in right now for some enamel pens for the first ever Tis the podcast enamel pens. So yeah, if you visit our Patreon this Wednesday, you will get the Beetlejuice episode our last halloween episode of the month on patreon yeah. um i'm curious to see what y'all think of that i feel like it could be a little controversial and i also I want to i also want to plug todd killian's christmas clatter podcast listen to it this friday me and him have a conversation about hocus pocus it's the first time you saw it and listen and julia's going to be on the show soon too so keep your ears out for that it was and you were on recently in a melee right that users can listen to? I don't know what you're talking about. So you don't know what I'm talking. No, no, no. Let's let's slow down just a minute. You don't know what I'm talking about for real, Anthony. Is that the way we're going with this? In my defense. It was not rigged. It was rigged. It was not rigged. That's what your answer is. Like I, found, I found votes from the judges for me in the river. <laughs> yep, that's where I thought we were going with this. Okay. I know what you're going to do. Just Let's do it. a quick sound check. I'm going to talk for just... And I'm the loser! And I'm the loser! And I'm the loser! And I'm the loser! I think I'm going to release that for people as a ringtone on oh, Patreon. <laughs> you're such a... You're such a... <laughs> and I'm the loser! That went so well together. <laughs> Wait till I get Todd. Also, speaking of Patreon and speaking of Todd, so keep your eye out November 1st on Patreon. An episode with Craig of Weird Christmas will be dropping on November 1st. And then mm -hmm. Todd Killian will be joining us for a bonus episode on our main show on November 3rd, which we recorded. And that was a lot of fun. So check it out. Keep your yes. eyes open. November's upon us, which means... We have a bunch of good stuff coming out. So next week, we are covering Shrek the Halls. And the week after that, we are covering Netflix's original movie, Holiday. Well, it was not a Netflix original. Netflix picked it up, but same difference. It's going to be a Netflix Holiday. original. And uh, lots and lots of lots of Netflix stuff coming up. Netflix has a lot of good stuff this year. So they do have a lot of stuff. TBD on the... Let's see what let's let's not get ahead of ourselves here. <laughs> well there. Well there, big guy. Besides how exciting it is that we're in November next week, it's also exciting that we only have 1,464 hours until Christmas. That is only 61 days. Oh my gosh. That is only eight weeks. Crazy. It's stuff. not enough time to do everything I need to do in. Did I get that right? That is. You did. Yes. I'm trying to pull it up still. I was just guessing. <laughs> so do your homework, y'all. Watch Shrek the Halls. And we shall talk to you next week. Bye, guys. Bye.